really a selfless position. Uh, no fullback. It's, it's all dirty work. I mean, there's no real glory, and he's not really getting the ball in carries. And you know, not, I threw. It, I definitely throw it to him. Um, but being a lead blocker really sets the tone for uh, for the offense. It's a very valuable position, and uh, anyone that can create holes and that physical style toughness in the run game is really important for us. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Kyle Hey everybody and welcome to episode number 15 of the third season of the Fantasy Fullback Dive brought to you by the good folks at the Roto Street Journal. My name is Nat the Truth Jones. With me as always on location today, the Wolf of Roto Street himself. How you doing Wolf? I'm doing fantastic. Got to do what you got to do. Got a uh, lacrosse game coming up. but I had 30 quick minutes to uh, record some intros and outros with you. So we're in here grinding. Uh, and what better reason to do it? We got this three-part part series of the, the Wolves breaking down the NFL draft, the 2018 NFL draft. Uh, me and you already went. Our Wolvish shelves uh, broke down our rookie running backs and where they landed and how we ranked through them um, at this point. And now we're going to have two of my favorite industry Wolves coming on. Uh, first episode this this episode that you're listening to now, episode 15, Mike Wright of the Fantasy Footballers. So if you're listening to the this podcast, man. yeah, exactly. If you're the hitman, exactly. If you're listening to this podcast, you've probably at least heard of the Fantasy Footballers popping up number one usually when you search fantasy football on iTunes. Huge name, uh, and he's an incredible guy in the industry. Again, we welcome Wolves, guys that we know have breaking that groupthink mold, the guys that think outside the box, bold strategies, and this guy, absolutely, Mike Wright, captures that. And then we're only leading into next episode, episode 16, with Scott Barrett. So again, two of our our favorite industries that we we just love to read, bringing new, fresh perspectives. That's pro football focus to Scott Barrett. If you didn't know who that is, you got to make sure you follow him. Two guys that, you know, there's not many on my list that I actually genuinely listen to and trust and, and will have influenced my rankings. Both of these guys are guys I look up to and respect. So I'm super excited to debut our Wolves segment with that. Yeah, this is part two of three. Uh, we know we haven't dropped a new pod for a while, though. We've been recording. We've been putting out video. Of course, the, the website has been active, as always, because this is what we do. The Wolves' livelihood does not just get put on hold because we take a little bit of a podcast break. But anyway, we're hoping to drop these three in relatively short order. Sound guy Nate has been, I was going to say on vacation, but it's it's the opposite of that. He's actually been working uh, <laughs> elsewhere. So uh, he's been on vacation from us, but that means he's just like uh, doing another job. I think he's been touring with Patty Smythe, actually. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Like, uh, so anyway, Nate, Nate's busy as always. He'll be back soon. Um, looking really forward to this. The, the fantasy footballers, you know, one of the few, like like the Wolf said, one of the few podcasts out there that we actually follow and, and we respect what these guys have to say. So we're pumped to get the Hitman on. I, I'm going to ask him what his uh, favorite Hitman of all time is. I'm interested Ooh. to see what he says as far as that goes. But without further ado, because the Wolf has a lacrosse game. Like, a quick, quick prediction, by the way, lacrosse score. Oh, we're going to destroy Drake. We're, we're coming off a, a terrible loss last uh, Monday when oh, we got gosh. absolutely spanked. So it's time to bounce back, and the boys are, are ready for this one. I'm excited. Okay, one-sided win. You heard it here first in the Wolves' uh, high school or middle school? Was it high school? High school, yeah. J- high sc- JV lacrosse. JV there. high school lacrosse. The best. Um, if you're looking to lay down a small wager, um, you heard it here first. Inside information, the Wolves' team's going to win. Um, we'll be right back after this with Mike the Hitman Wright from the fantasy footballers. Yeah, I know I said that we were going to be back with Mike the Hitman, right? That was just to suck you in even further. Uh, We're actually going to hit you with this uh, week, this episode's fantasy stock tip, courtesy of the Wolf. Don't worry, it's going to tie into the interview. But uh, fantasy stock tip of the week, courtesy of the Wolf of Rotor Street himself. I'm just going to tease out what it is. Don't be afraid of the unknown. Now, that might seem broad. That might seem a little scary. But the wolf is going to set your mind at ease because if nothing else, like the wolf can make you feel comfortable when it comes to fantasy football because there's nothing more comfortable than hoisting a title over your defeated loser-ass buddies. So, Absolutely. Wolf, tell us why the tip of the day is not to be afraid of the unknown. 
So you can't be afraid of the unknown because that's where so much upside and value ends up combining for a beautiful marriage of just pure domination at the right price. And I know last week we talked about the stock tip as building that stable of horses, having that three horse three attack. Three horse attack. The three horse attack, baby. Uh, and one of the best ways to build a three horse attack is landing one of those monstrous rookie running backs that ends up exploding. I often will draft two to three, sometimes even four rookies. And in this class, we talked about last week how deep this class is. This is going to be a class where I will be dipping into the unknown time and time again because we've got so many rookies in great prime locations. We don't know for sure that Royce Freeman, for example, my fifth ranked rookie, is going to be the featured back in Denver. But when you look at the depth chart, you got Devonta Booker over him. You got you know, D'Angelo Henderson. It's going to be the Royce Freeman show. And if you're scared of the unknown because he's a rookie and you haven't seen him do it on an NFL field, you're going to miss on a potential workhorse back that's going to fall to round five or six because of the unknown. It doesn't just apply to rookies, though. You look at a guy like Pat Mahomes. I mean, how many times are we going to talk about Pat Mahomes He's on essentially this a rookie, though. Essentially a rookie, though. He hasn't been on the NFL outside of week 17. You got glimpses of what he could do. I mean, as our, our guy, uh, what's it, Chris Chris Clark from the, the Chiefs, Locked On Chiefs, came on and said, this is a guy that has one of the best arms he's ever seen in the entire league. And that sounds hyperbolic, but it was true, the way he was fitting it into tight windows, spinning it deep. And that was when he was thrown to you know Albert Wilson and God knows who else, Chris whatever. I forget the guy's name because Tyree Kill wasn't playing, Kelsey wasn't playing. This guy was showing some dominant traits in a week 17 win, uh, but ultimately we don't know much about what he could do over a full season. That's the unknown. Yet, because he's unknown, people are going to overlook the fact that this guy's got maybe the best weapons cabinet in the entire league. Again, one of the best arms in the league and a coaching scheme that loves to air it out with uh, Andy Reid to almost to a fault for his running backs. Uh, this, this Everything is just a perfect marriage. The guy is in the same exact setup, if not better now that Sammy Watkins has been added, that yielded the number two quarterback finish for Alex Smith, yet he's going all the way in rounds 11 and 12 because he's unknown. So I'm all about going into that unknown, finding where the upside is based on that, again, fantasy stock formula, grading these guys out. And yeah, you got to factor in the risk. You know, we have all those six categories. The risk goes up a bit with the unknown because you haven't seen it. But if you're scared of the unknown, you pass up on, let's say, Saquon Barkley because you want a safer prospect in round one, you're going to end up missing an elite workhorse season because you were scared of the unknown. So don't be afraid of the unknown. There's so much upside and value to going after these guys that people might pass on because they're not sure what they're going to do on an NFL field. I'm all about it. I'm all in on rookies and these guys that have just huge upside like Pat Mahomes that haven't been in yet. Go for it. Yeah, that was good. That was actually pretty succinct, pretty convincing. I'm not sure I would put Barkley in the same category as some of these other guys simply because his price tag is already so high. I feel like hey, a lot of these at, other guys, I, I like it's baked in. That. Well, you've got him fifth overall. Right. I have him fifth overall. That's my my price tag. Right now, ECR, he's going 18th and 22nd in half PPR and PPR leagues, respectively. That's mid-second round. Yeah, I could see taking him in the second round. I could see that. You should be taking him in round one. If you're passing up on on this type of guy, again, because the unknown, if you're letting him fall to round two, you're going to sorely regret it. Plenty of guys I would take him over. Plenty of guys I would take him over in round one. But I mean, yeah. there, but there's plenty of guys around the price tag that you have them at that I wouldn't. But I mean, we're talking about elite guys. Like I mean, you know, these are these are top ten, top five, top seven guys. And uh, you know, I'd have to look at the list. But I, I what, think what I, you're saying I, about Pat Mahomes or something like that, I think, is a great point. Like his his risk because he's unknown is baked in. You could snag if he's going in the twelfth round. You could snag that guy in the ninth round or something like that, no problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, and potentially have a real lottery ticket winner on your hands. Now, I mean, speaking of Pat Mahomes, by the way ton of interaction on youtube on our video on pat mahomes people people are talking about i don't know if it's just chiefs guys or if like he is sparking uh you know some imagination in some of these people but anyway people any, are, any comments of high like notice that you're like oh i gotta shout this comment out i love when we get some i don't know i'm off the top of my stuff. head but I, I got them all stored in, in the email i'll definitely bring them up in the future we're getting when you know usually we usually get a couple comments on youtube videos we get a decent amount i mean i feel like we've had like 10, 15, 20 comments, and it's like over nice. over like a long period of time. It's like people. I'll check people those out and start responding. Then. Yeah, yeah, check them out it. definitely. All right, uh, we'll Pat Holmes. Now for real this time, we'll be right back with Mike the Hitman Wright from the Fantasy Let's Football. Go Show. baby. All right, we are back. 
you know, I use the word thrilled a lot to talk about guests we have on the show, and I don't want to overdo it, but I am going to go to the well once again. I'm thrilled to welcome our next guest, which I, I got to give the wolf credit for rounding him up. I, you know, I'm, I'm a, riding in the backseat on this one, but I'm pretty happy about it. And the Fantasy Footballers podcast. Now, if you go on iTunes, uh, some of you guys that listen to podcasts may use this little company called iTunes. Uh, if you look up Fantasy Football, these guys pop up often first. Now, I looked it up today, and they popped up a disappointing third. But generally speaking, these guys pop up first when you search for fantasy football. And so we're welcoming Mike Wright, the hitman, to the podcast for the first time. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing well, fellas. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, anytime. I got a quick question for you before we go to the script. Uh, and that, of course, I, I got to ask, other than yourself, who's your favorite hitman? Now, that can be any hitman nickname or, you know, oh. if, you're, if you're really into, like, you know, a specific mafia hitman or something, I guess that would count as well. Um, sure. You, you got a favorite? Yeah, my favorite would be Bret Hart. I the best. was wondering if you'd go with Bret Hart. Mine would yeah, be... The, go ahead. Go, the excellence of execution, the best WWE wrestler of all time. Yeah, and the sharpshooter. I mean, let's. Uh, did, did you see the WrestleMania when he made Stone Cold Steve Austin pass out rather than submit? For the sharp course. Shooter. Good stuff. Of good course. stuff. Uh, mine would be Tommy the Hitman Hearns, but Bret Hart would be a close second. Uh, Wolf, any hitmen that you're that you're uh, that you prefer, or are you just kind of riding in our wake here? He stole Bret the Hitman Hart from me. What an absolute legend! The, the Montreal Screwjob still sticks with me. Really, really sour. It's <laughs> awful, but I, I love the choice. That's where he the, the ref like he called the match, except he didn't give up. So Bret didn't realize that he was going to lose. Yes, Brad did not realize he did. He did punch Sean. Vince McMahon in the face after the fight. So yeah, uh, and an actual punch too, not a not a wrestling punch. Anyway, I digress. Great to have you on the show. We're gonna get right into the interview. Wolf, why don't you start things off? Right. So we're obviously breaking down the uh, the NFL draft. That's why we're having you on debut in our fantasy wolves segment uh, for 2018. With, again, as Nat said, absolutely thrilled to have one of the biggest names in the industry, one of the ones I respect the most. Um, and, and to start off draft coverage, we can't really start with anyone other than Saquon Barkley. So he's deservedly considered the clear cut number one rookie for fantasy football this season. But just how high does he belong? I have him up in my top five overall. Am I insane? What are your thoughts on Saquon? <laughs> Wow, top five overall, you're saying including all positions? That's including what all positions. So that means above DeAndre Hopkins, uh, above David Johnson. I know it seems ridiculous, and I might reevaluate. Mike, you didn't hear him wrong. Like, you heard him right the first time. No, and uh, look, honestly, top five overall, he won't be there for me just because I, uh, I'll factor in and weigh in, you know, just the – the proof of actual NFL production, but as far as potential and opportunity, Saquon Barkley is going to be in, in, an, in an unbelievable situation. Mm-hmm. A team doesn't spend the number two overall pick on a running back to not give them carries, and his pass production profile is off the charts. Who does who is he going to compete with up in New York for, for running back touch? Yeah, Paul right. Perkins, Jonathan Stewart. It's it's Saquon Barkley. It's going to be his job. He's going to easily touch the ball over 300 times. He might touch the ball 350-plus times. You're talking a Le'Veon Bell type of workload. The, the offense should be solid. Eli has, in my opinion, still has some juice left enough to run a competent offense. And with the pass-catching weapons, they're going to be a very dynamic offense and score a bunch of points. That's the – if you want to have a separator between – Saquon and David Johnson. I mean, for one, Johnson's coming off a wrist injury, but the the Cardinals' offense, what will they look like? Will they be that high-powered offense when where DJ was the number one running back, but that was on the back of of twenty touchdowns? Can David Johnson get anywhere close to that? Where Barkley is, in my opinion, going to be playing for an established good offense. So, top five overall is is too rich for my blood, but he's easily a a top 10 running back, and I don't think that's really a hot take to say that. No, not at all. And I think I love what you said is like Eli, Eli's solid enough. It's a good offense, which is 
perfect because it's going to move the ball. They're not going to be able to stack it against Saquon. They're going to have plenty of scoring chances for him, but it's not so elite like as if it was Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady where it's going to be an air show. They've talked so much this offseason, uh, Gettleman and all those new GMs have, about how they want to establish that run-first physical mentality and who better to do it with than who's labeled as a bigger Barry Sanders. So I'm with you. I, top 10 overall isn't a hot take at all, and that's, again, why I'm saying top five. That's just how much in love yeah. I am. You got to turn the he heat said, up. He said top 10 running back, Wolf. Like, oh, yeah. You know, which he, which he said wasn't a hot take at all. And I agree with him. The Wolf tends to get really excited about stuff like really quickly and then over time he kind of like gets brought down a little bit uh, to reality no come on man what are you talking about Rashad Jennings could still come back and take carries from him I think Mikey really pointed out well too like David Johnson's the guy that's kind of lobbied right around him the overall offense for the Giants I think is so much better than the Cardinals this year Uh, and those scoring chances are going to be much more plentiful the boxes will be less stacked I I just think everything about Saquon's situation is flush with fantasy upside as long as the talent is as generational as the tape suggests there's no reason he's going to score anything less than a top five overall season in my opinion Uh, oh all right we're going to move on I have so many I know I'm not the focal point here but i have so many things to say that i'll say to you in the future uh this is an insanely deep running back class some people are thinking it's even deeper than last year's which was obviously fantastic kareem hunt dalvin cook alvin kamara and so on uh up to eight backs have legitimate claims to go number two after saquon uh if it were up to you taking saquon out of the equation who would you take first poof it's tough there the the tier is unfortunately very close for all the guys after Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can make the argument for Rashad Penny. In fact, the Seattle Seahawks made the argument for Rashad Penny. I liked his I liked his tape. He blows up my production model with what he was able to do with his market share and just overall production. But for a team to take him in the first round, reportedly was willing to take him even higher before they wisely traded back and picked up some draft capital and then still got the guy that they wanted to take a player in the first round uh, from a small school. That's the confidence boost that fantasy players are, are looking for. He's, he's going to touch the ball. Like I talked for, for Saquon Barkley about 350 touches. I just made a bet over uh, with one of my co-hosts on the fantasy footballers that, yeah, I heard that Rash- Rashad Penny is going to touch the ball 300 times. He's a first round pick. They want to run the offense through him. It's just going to happen. How successful can he be? I mean, are we talking a Trent Richardson rookie year type of situation where very, very ineffective, but was able to stumble his way into a bunch of touchdowns because he was the only show in town? That's that's the big question for Saquon, or, or I apologize, for Rashad Penny. While Darius Geis despite falling in the draft, does remain my number two guy. All reports have the the fall in the draft being related to... It's weird. It's The, the reports are weird. Of Was there a conflict with him and the Eagles? Were there some off-the-field situations that we just don't know about yet? But Washington stopped his fall. He's still a second-round pick. The job in Washington is wide open they have a solid offensive line and even though he will be relegated to first and second down work primarily because chris thompson jay gruden has already come out and said chris thompson's the third down back everyone else can basically suck it because this is chris thompson's job but with guys's talent ability to have have a two two still catch passes and alex smith is going to check down on first and second down it's going to happen so there's still going to be a decent target share, I think, for Darius Geis. With that team, he's my number two, but it's not with a, a large amount of confidence that I say Geis is above uh, Rashad Penny or even uh, Ronald Jones, who landed in a, in a great spot, and Sony Michelle, who was a high equity pick as well. It's just a little, his situation is a little bit murkier. Uh, with with what they've done with James White and Rex Burkhead, I know they, they in the in past years of recent of recency, anyways, they do give a large market share to one guy, so that's likely going to go to Sony Michelle. But it still still feels a little uh, less reliable, 
say they right, and the fumbling concerns too. You yes, know, yeah, exactly. That could chuck him right into the doghouse and make an That's example of point. his first round pick. You know, um, but what, it's it's great what you said there, Geis and Penny. I actually obviously I have Saquon as tier by himself, and then I have those two as, as the tier two guys, and then there's tier three with. Jones, all those other guys, Chubb that, you know, with the Browns. I have that as kind of its own separate tier, but I do think it's between Geis and Penny for the number two uh, job as well. So we're full in agreement there. I have Penny number two currently, just because, as you said, the the volume. I, I heard that podcast earlier, and I sided with you. I took the over as well on 300 touches. I think he's going to be force-fed. You don't take him or be willing to take him at 18 overall unless you're willing to just turn over the reins to him. Russell Wilson-led offense is always going to produce uh, plenty of scoring chances. I know the line, obviously, is a concern there, but they added DJ Fluker, who's a pretty mauling run blocker, even if he's not great in pass protection. Dwayne Brown kind of came on last year. Obviously, he was great with the Texans for so many years. So I don't think the line is as dire as people are going to make it out to be. So give me a top 15 offense, close to 300 touches in it. That's currently my second guy, uh, but Geis is right there behind him. And you mentioned Ronald Jones. I mean, he could jump into that tier as soon as we know that he's the guy over Peyton Barber, which he should be. Uh, you know, there's just there's a lot of flexibility right now with that third tier to me. Hey, Wolf, um, but you know yeah. something that you like to take in in any and all bets that you've ever participated in the, the over the over. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're just like 300 touches the over. How about 400? I, I kind of like the over. How about 55 <laughs> touchdowns for Tom Brady in 2022? No, How, the over. Thunder? I love it. Marshawn let's, Lynch, 12 touchdowns over. Take the under. Take the under. Let's do that bet. Rashad Penny, 300 touches. We'll I got to research them. that a little bit more. Although all the under bets that I made with you last year, I would just like to point out I won. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's go to number three on the uh, on the interview. Wolf, go ahead. All righty. So obviously, again, rookies are by far the most important position. So I know these kind of rookie uh, – I mean running backs are the most important positions for rookies. So a little bit running back centric here. But which rookie running back are you most likely to avoid and why? Ooh, it – Though the one I will avoid personally is is probably Ronald Jones. Uh, his draft capital and the landing spot are very very nice for fantasy football. I just I don't know if I can buy into Ronald Jones as a running back. I don't know if his I, I don't know if he's going to be able to translate a lack of pass catching at all in his college profile is worrisome. His his highlights are incredible, you know, making that sports center top 10. He's going to do that a few times over the course of the season with home run plays. But when you look at those plays for USC, you're going to notice something in that it's you could probably drive a Cadillac through the hole that he has hit. Are those holes going to open up for in the NFL for Tampa Bay? And is he going to be able to break an arm tackle if he has to? They've, there was talk of he already he put on size for his for his uh, final season in college. He put on a bunch of muscle. Has he maxed out his frame? We th- these are the things that we just don't know yet. But I do know that the fantasy community is already on fire for Ronald Jones, and I adjusted my rookie rankings accordingly. It's I can't deny the second round draft capital and the landing spot for Ronald Jones. Just saying for, for coming into redraft, me personally, I think his ADP is going to be very high and it's going to be something that I'm kind of just hedging against. I, I'm Basically, I'm shorting Ronald Jones and just accepting the fact that I could be very wrong on him. No, I, I think that's a fair point. I love that you brought the line, too, because, I mean, obviously, as you said, USC, the, the lanes were completely open. And last year, I don't think the Bucks made too many offensive line moves this year. And last year, how often do we see Doug Martin or whoever it was just getting completely stuffed in the backfield? So that contrast could really make a huge difference for Ronald Jones. I'm a pretty big fan of him. I think the talent's great. The touches are going to be there. But I, that's a really good point about the line. My guy is uh, Nick Chubb, though. I think Carlos Heidman built similarly. I, I think Chubb's obviously the better talent. They didn't take him in the second round with the pick they traded and took on Brock Osweiler's cash uh, for, for no reason. They obviously are envisioning a role for Nick Chubb, but they also paid Hyde $5 million, so I don't think he's just going to disappear and vanish either. And I think Hyde's a pretty good back. I like what he's done on tape. So to me, that kind of could be a 60-40. Then you got Duke Johnson in there, so it's not going to be any type of receiving role for Chubb. To me, his role is the least clear of all these rookie backs that everyone's excited about. So to me, and especially 
know, Brown's offense, who knows exactly where it's going to go. I could see him taking off this year, uh, but ultimately they've sucked so bad the last couple of years. I need to kind of see it before I believe it. So Chubb's the guy that I, I'm avoiding out of this class right now. And I don't blame you for that. It's going to be, I, I agree. Carlos Hyde isn't going to just fade into the shadows like George Clooney in the perfect storm. It's not going to happen. Yeah. But, but we've seen in the past a Todd Haley led offense. We've seen in 2010 multiple running backs on that team. Thomas Jones and Jamal Charles Jeff both Jeff. were over, were, they were both over uh, 200 carries. So it's still possible that Chubb gets that, that workload where I'm saying I'm out on Ronald Jones is because I'm projecting the ADP for him to be very high. Well, I think there's going to be plenty of players out there who are worried to take Nick Chubb. So uh, I think he will drop to that fourth, maybe even the fifth round because people aren't really sure what to make of him. And, and at that point, I think that the, the gamble on Nick Chubb's talent is going to be worth it for me. Nice. All right. I almost want to go off script on this next one just because, like, I want to know what you think about the quarterbacks in this rookie class. But I'm going to stick to it, and maybe we'll go there. Maybe we won't. Outside of the running backs, uh, the Wolf and I, it's been contentious recently on the podcast. Uh, outside of this running back class, give me two rookies you think might have big fantasy impacts in their first year. So we're talking just – Anything but the running back. Anything position. but running backs. And I mean, if you want to go deep and go kicker or something, I'll be impressed. But uh, you know, I, you know, let, kickers let's, don't matter. Uh, well, I was good. I mean, it would have been the hottest of hot takes. I was, you know, but you know, I'm assuming you're going to give me a QB, a, a receiver, a tight end, something like that. Give me two of them. Yeah, the the tight ends. Unfortunately, my man Dallas Goddard went to a very <laughs> suboptimal situation playing behind an elite pass catching tight end in Philadelphia. So that really uh, that really sucked watching that happen during the draft. So the the names you got to pivot over to the wide receiver which has been pretty disappointing when it comes to rookie production. So I'm not I, I'm not expecting anyone to come in and blow the doors open. No no true looking number ones. DJ Moore was my favorite guy, but now he goes to Carolina and has to deal with with uh, Cam Newton's passing inefficiencies and just we haven't really seen him on any kind of reliable level sustain a wide receiver one. Maybe that's – you can talk – that's a chicken or egg situation where his rookie year, his best passing year of his career, he had Steve Smith, who was an elite pass catcher. So maybe DJ Moore can become that. But once again, that's a a large burden for a rookie to have to carry coming into Carolina. So I'm going to pivot away from him. But I'm going to say I really like Anthony Miller in Chicago. I think the landing spot is fantastic. He doesn't have to come in and try and be the number one like DJ Moore. And I'm, I say that because I don't think Devin Funches is uh, is a true number one and can respect that kind of coverage. But Allen Robinson certainly can. So Anthony Miller is going to be able to go out and learn without the lights just beaming down upon him. He doesn't have the number one coverage. There's plenty of weapons on that team. A, a brilliant offensive mind coming in to be his head coach. So I think that Anthony Miller, is. it's possible that he comes in and makes some noise. And then I'm going to the quarterback. I'm going with the, the number one guy selected in the draft. I love Baker Mayfield so much. I love yes. all, the, all the metrics on his accuracy. Yes. You, you cannot... In my opinion, you cannot teach accuracy. You can improve some mechanics and maybe inflate it a little bit, but a guy either has touched or he doesn't have it. I mean, I don't know how many monster Josh Allen quarterback arms I had to see come into Arizona with Logan Thomas, John Skelton. Yeah, they can throw the ball 70 yards in the air, but they can't hit an open receiver. Baker Mayfield can do all that. You guys have talked about Scott Barrett's going to come on this podcast Get ready for the Baker Mayfield gush fest <laughs> when he does that. And I, oh, I don't, I'm ready. I will not dispute any of it. And on top of that, yes, I get it. They're the Cleveland Browns. They've been terrible forever. But it's, this is a sins of the father type of situation. This has nothing to do with Baker Mayfield or Jarvis Landry. Those teams sucked. Fine. We have new players and we have an actual good-looking offensive squad on this team. There's still a bad head coach in charge, 
but that's for sure. They, they will they will they'll move past <laughs> that. But I think that Baker Mayfield is the piece that this team has been missing, along with the additions of uh, at the wide receiver core and Jarvis Landry, and in, I'm in, also including Antonio Callaway, who they traded up for in the fourth round, I believe. Who I think is. High risk, very high reward for this offense. Well, just to be clear, I mean, because it, it, it seems I'm the only one who's not in on this Baker Mayfield slobber fest. Uh, I mean, you know, you said you, I'm anti. Yeah, Josh Rosen. No, uh, oh, listen, okay. listen, Josh Allen, when you said, like, you, how many 70-yard arm guys, I, I would have taken Mayfield over Allen. I never got okay. the Allen thing. Uh, I would have taken Mayfield third, though. I would have taken him behind Darnold and Rosen. Um yeah, well, I see you shaking your head over there, Wolf. But it's, listen, the, the fact not, is their their coach has not won a football game on a Sunday. They I, play football I, games I, on Sundays frequently. Again, I, what Mike brought up is a great point is we don't play in the past. We're worried about 2018 stats, not what they did in 2017, not what they did in 2016. They got Jarvis Landry there. They have a Josh Garden, Gordon whose head is hopefully on straight at this point. You never know with him. Man. But you look at that weaponry and – it's it's fantastic if he does deliver the ball as he did in college he's going to be a stacked cast around him he's got duke johnson out of the backfield as well a good running game i love baker mayfield as soon as he takes over that's what would be my follow-up though is when do you think he takes over for tyrod taylor if at all this season i have my over under set at five games so right i agree with mike on that i agree i think he's going to be the quarterback sooner rather than later and they didn't draft him for nothing i mean i think he's going to get burned he's going to get play time uh, I just think the Browns are, are terrible, and I think that you know you can change all the pieces around all you want. And they have certainly done a lot of reshuffling, you know, kind of like reshuffling the chairs on the Titanic and stuff like that. But they've still managed to leave the guy that's one in thirty-one in the driver's seat. He's still the captain. I just you know I think that's a lot to overcome. Do you remember when the Eagles had that supposed dream team with Mike Vick, uh, like twenty eleven something like that? They brought in all this talent, and people were coronating them the NFC champions before the season and it just didn't happen and they to me had superior pieces certainly a superior coach I could just I think it's just asking an awful lot no one's saying these guys are going to be world champions at this point we're just saying they take a step forward and are actually fantasy so both of you guys while I got you both here on the air uh what what, what's the Browns record going to be next year this year six wins I was going to give him five wins. The big difference between last year's Browns and this year's Browns is Todd Haley. Last year it was Hugh yeah, okay. Jackson, um, Mr. Yeah. I don't need an offensive coordinator. And Wait. instead of instead of moving forward with that, they bring in one of the best offensive minds of this past coaching generation. All right. Absolutely. Uh, so six, six for the Wolf, five for Mike. I'm going to go. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I was going to say four, but I'm going to be a man about it. I like the low. I like the under. I'm going to go three. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> here we go. Wow, really down on the Browns. Uh, too low. But last rookie uh, question here, the best under-the-radar rookie pick, a.k.a. 2018's Alvin Kamara, will be dot, dot, dot. Uh, there's, there's not going to be one. I hate to burst your bubble, <laughs> everyone. There's no Alvin Kamara waiting, uh, especially when you're talking under the radar because all the running backs, first through third, I'm going to include Royce Freeman, Everyone is going to be hyped about these guys. The one kind of lower tier guys, and it's actually two guys, and they play on the same team, Naeem Hines for the Indianapolis Colts and Jordan Wilkins. They play a completely different role at the running back position, but that job is actually open, and these are two rookies who are not going to get kind of a huge amount of mainstream love. Naeem Hines is a satellite back. He's a pass catcher. We're talking on player profiler. His comp is C.J. Spiller. And now teams have learned that you don't spend a first-round pick on a guy like C.J. Spiller. You wait till the fourth, and you get a player who is athletically gifted like Spiller. Uh, it was very dynamic in college. And on top of that, who knows what the Colts are doing at the running back position? They're just acquiring a whole bunch of pieces, and hopefully one of these guys rises to the top. You can't imagine the team is fully locked and loaded for for Marlon Mack, who, by the way, I don't know if you guys talked about this, allegedly Marlon Mack was playing with a torn shoulder labrum last year, and he's had off-season surgery. So perhaps that's what happened to Mack when he was trying to be a running back and was just super inefficient. But with the with bringing back Robert Turbin, at least for now, re-signing Kristen Michael, drafting Jordan Wilkins in the fifth round, they aren't convinced that Marlon Mack is... Mm-hmm 
the future of this team. And it, he was playing behind Frank Gore, who er, Frank Gore is is a earned veteran. He's a monster. Status, but he was not very good for football last year. That's they just fair. kept giving him the ball. So <laughs> Naeem Hines and Jordan Wilkins are two rookies that I have my eye on to see if they can make any kind of noise in camp. Hines far more than Wilkins. Mm-hmm. I'm putting my chips on Robert Turbin to be end up being the the uh, the early down grinder. But Hines, I think, is going to see the fields more than people are expecting. I, I'm pumped that you said that too because I feel like everybody right now is labeling Marlon Mack huge winner of draft Colts upgrade line, which is true. But I'm with you. I think it's going to be Turbin or maybe Christy Michael. You know, resurrects himself yet again. Who knows what he's going to pop up next? Uh, but I do think that's a completely we call it a value hole here on the fullback dive. That's still wide open in my eyes, uh, and I, I can totally see any of those Colts uh, rookies taking that job completely. I'm not sold on Marlon Mack either, so I'm with you there. Uh, and speaking of gaining value, again, everyone's labeling. Marlon Mack, the guy, but I'm with you. I don't agree. Whether it's a quarterback, you know, that gained new weaponry or a running back, a wide receiver that avoided further competition being added, tons of veterans gain enormous value following the draft. So regardless of whatever position in what order, who do you think are the two to three veterans who gain the most value based on the draft? Ooh, gain the most value. Number one is Christian McCaffrey, where the the Carolina Panthers cut ties with Jonathan Stewart. I fully, fully expected them to spend a decent equity pick on a grinding type running back. Now, Cameron Artis Payne is still there. Who knows how old Cameron Artis Payne actually (laughs) is because it changes every day. Uh, (laughs) He's going to get an opportunity and he can be okay. uh, But if he's going to get the opportunity to be kind of the big grinder back, to me, that says that Christian McCaffrey has, you can just go ahead and slot. 75 to 100 more touches on top of his already enormous workload coming wow. into this year. So I thought that he was uh, an absolute monster of a a winner. And to go and, on that too, Norv Turner throws running back 30% over his career, 30% target share to his running back. So all these people saying, no, there's no way he can sustain that, you know, leading the league in targets. I, I say, Baloney, I think he can keep uh, riding that huge target share. You add some carries. And Danian Tomlinson came out too and said, you know, the guy who played under North Turner almost his whole career said, Christian McCaffrey is going to be used to perfection even in the run game. He's going to get out on sweeps and tosses. And that running game volume did take a huge boost. So I'm with you. He's definitely one of my top three risers. Full agreement from me. And then I just, I just lost his name. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, uh, Hunter Henry to me is a pretty big winner here. Yeah. You have the the whispers from the bushes that the Chargers do not want to bring Antonio Gates back, and they uh, have clearly put their the hand of favor upon Hunter Henry, who has been one of Philip Rivers' most efficient weapons of all time. So I I love it. I love what the draft has done for uh, for Hunter Henry, and I mean. You got it. Look, it's going to be gross, guys. No, it's going to be gross. It's going to be gross. I'm going to tell you something. Blake Bortles. Oh, man. Sir Blake. (laughs) Sir Blake. Sure. You have knighted him on this show. Oh, he's 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 huge in London. Are you kidding me? (laughs) He's like, you know, like the Beatles, Oasis, Blake Bortles. I know they gave him kind of the – that – Good attaboy, good job for helping us in the playoffs contract extension, but it was it's not necessarily one that they can't find a way out of. So there was still rumors of them adding a quarterback in the draft. They didn't do that. They've added uh they've added weapons through free agency, including Dante Moncrief, and then they added DJ Chark. I mean, they added uh if I'm not mistaken, the fastest wide receiver at the combine. I mean, it's it was an interesting pick, but they're putting their chips behind Blake Bortles to be their guy for the next few years. Oh, well, I, I'm not going to support the Blake Bortles with any added further evidence, but just to go on Hunter Henry, who, who I 100% agree, I'm going to steal this quote from Scott Barrett, who, again, as you said, is coming on Monday. Uh, Henry finished 2017 with the seventh most fancy points per game in 2017, and has hit at least 70 receiving yards or scored a touchdown in 17 of his 25 targeted targeted games, so 68%. For perspective, that's better than Rob Gronkowski over the same time frame, and that's despite 
having only 44% of the Chargers' tight end targets, which was less than Gates's 54%. So he did all that as the second fiddle to a corpse of Antonio Gates. Like, I agree 100%. He's about to explode and become that this year's Zach Ertz that you get in the round five or six and is into that elite tier. So I like, how, I like how Scott uh, was a wordsmith there and was able to leave out the two games where he destroyed you because he didn't get a freaking target. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, targeted games. I yeah, I, I see. Yeah, that was that was solid. Uh, yeah. uh, Absolutely. The wolf. The wolf um, wrote. Right, yeah, the I just like would like to point out that the wolf was so high on Hunter Henry last year as well, and he he would often neglect to mention like the zero uh, zero catches on zero <laughs> targets as well. Yeah. He'd just so just change the subject, but that was good wordsmithing. You're right. Um, all right, uh, same exact question, but let's talk about veteran losers. Ooh, veteran losers. Uh, let me let me ask you guys. I'm going to turn the tables on you guys because sometimes that's what you have to do when you jump on here as a podcast guest. Who's sure. your biggest loser not named Carlos Hyde? I, I think even bigger loser than Carlos Hyde, especially the running back position, Rex Burkhead. I love Burkhead. I, I thought he was going to kind of enter the season in that Deion Lewis role, and that seems almost guaranteed to go to Sony Michelle. Burkhead could still get some goal line touches. He was very efficient there last year, uh, but at this point, he's you know when he was going looking at fifteen to eighteen touches a week in that explosive offense, you're hoping for maybe five to seven. I, I don't know, maybe up to ten a week. But ultimately, he he goes from a guy who I was excited to have as my RB2 to maybe an upside bench stash, maybe a guy that gets into your flex because he's still scoring touchdowns. There's a ton more risk, though, with Rex Burkhead. He's a big loser. And then Tyrod Taylor as well. Uh, I was pretty high on Taylor's upside. I knew they were going to draft a quarterback one overall, but I didn't know it was going to be the most pro-ready one in Baker Mayfield. So I think his leash got a lot shorter, uh, and I just he's going to be falling. I had him up at my QB 12 or 13. Mm. I was really excited about him with the weapons around him, his running ability. I, like you said, over under five games doesn't feel that unfair for him so his risk just went up huge by the drafting of baker mayfield i'm gonna throw a Devonte booker running back for the denver broncos yep. where you knew you just you knew the axe was coming for cj anderson especially given his contract situation where they could get out for it, it might have even been zero dead cap to cut cj anderson and they were gonna have to pay him at least a good chunk of chains when it comes to spending on a running back and just for years I don't know why they don't appreciate CJ Anderson and what he has done for that team being the best running back on the team since he entered the league but now they just in his thousand yard season last year they just throw it to the garbage okay fine but there was also rumors that you're like they're doing that because they want Devonte Booker to be their primary guy they spent, I think it was a fourth round pick on him a couple years, on two years ago. He's going to be the guy. He's got pass catching in his arsenal. And then in the third round, they take absolute production monster Royce Freeman from oh, Oregon, who, who comes in and can do everything. He, maybe you don't think he's the most dynamic pass catcher, but he can do it and he can, he can do it pretty well. And he's a grinder between the tackles. John Elway came out and said, we need a thumper. So we went out and we got one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I don't know how eventually Royce Freeman doesn't turn into a three-down running back for this team. So I'm, ex I'm extremely bullish, very high on Royce Freeman, not only for this season, but for dynasty rookie drafts. He shot up my draft board once his landing spot was, was decided. Uh, Absolutely. And Chris Carson, too, I think we've got a label as a, a loser. Oh, he's, he's gone. I, the, yeah, the, the Chris gone. Carson thing was so bizarre. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's a seventh-round pick. He was like the second-to-last person mm -hmm. taken in the draft. I don't know why people thought one good game gives him any kind of job security. You saw what the team did to Thomas Rawls. They don't mm -hmm. care about Chris Carson. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, if Rashad Payne's going to hit that 300 touch total, it means Carson's not touching the field, and I and I think he will. So I'm with you there. If you're not talking about guys that are directly affected by, uh, you know, rookie pickups, I would say my biggest loser is Derrick Henry. But uh, 
Tyrod was also right at the top of my list. And that's not not a ringing endorsement of Baker Mayfield, but I can see which way the wind is blowing for the Browns, and I don't think Tyrod keeps that job more than four or five weeks. The, the trade for Tyrod I talked about on my show, it I, didn't, I had no clue, no clue why people thought it was good for the Browns just because you knew they were going to take a quarterback at the 101. Why would you give up a third-round pick for – a veteran to come in and just be a, just a dead man walking. You're he's just holding the job. He's keeping the seat warm for their rookie when he's ready to come in in five or six games to give up such an equity pick for your veteran backup quarterback whose contract is over after this year was it was a shocking thing for me. I think if let's say the team wanted to move forward with Tyrod Taylor as their starting quarterback that. That'd be fine. I think Tyrod is decent. So this is not a this is not an attack on Tyrod Taylor as a player. It's an attack on the Browns general manager making a move that I thought was you're just throwing a third round pick into the garbage so you can have a veteran backup. But well, those those guys are everywhere. Well now now I've heard everything. Now you're gonna attack the Browns general manager right here on live on a podcast? <laughs> I don't I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know. Wolf oh. rebuttal. Anybody want to <laughs> jump in and defend the Browns front office? Uh, <laughs> one one's just been so great. Yeah, let me just jump in and get their back real. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, all right. Let, that takes us to the rapid fire or no huddle offense portion of the program. I'm going to throw out a couple. Uh, I want to hear you respond. Wolf, I wouldn't mind if you responded briefly as long as it's just going to be short, punchy answers. This is no huddle yeah, after all. Yeah, I got all. you. Rapid fire. I got Rapid you. fire, you know, which sometimes leads to tangents, but let's try to stick to rapid fire. Are uh, you ready, Mike? Yep. All right. Who should go number one overall on the fantasy draft? Le'Veon Bell. Wolf? Todd Gurley. Uh, Mike was correct. It's Le'Veon Bell. Uh, yes! Question number two. <laughs> We fight about this every week. Uh, what early round draft picks, round one through three, is going to ruin someone's fantasy season? And this is the person that drafted them, not someone else's fantasy season. Who's someone you're going to take with one of these high picks that you're going to regret mightily? Rounds one through three. Oh, man. I think he, this one's tough for me to say the name because I actually think that he's going to have a fine fantasy season. But I'm looking at fantasy football calculator for the ADP Derrick Henry is currently going what? at the back of the second round. I like Henry. What's that? Wow. I'm shocked. Yeah, I know. I'm shocked about it, too. I think Henry, if you are able to get him in the fourth round, you're going to be very happy with the return on that production. But if you are going to take Henry in the second round and think you're getting top 10 numbers at the position, I think you're going to be very disappointed. Well, I, I can't argue that yeah, one. I think if I that, didn't realize his, his ADP was that high, I I was going to say if you spend your first round pick on, I, I'm just not on the Julio Jones train. I think he always mm. has some sort of little hammy pull. No matter how many targets he's getting, he never scores. I think there's just so many other running backs. If you're going to pass up on one of these workhorses for Julio Jones in the first round, I think you're going to sorely regret it. I just want to say he still finishes as a top five guy every year. Yeah, but it's based on like three games. It's based on like three games. Uh, We talk we talk consistency a lot on the fantasy footballers, and Julio Jones is more consistent than people give him credit for. All right, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. I just want to say I agree with both of you guys' picks wholeheartedly, and I'm shocked that Derrick Henry is going end of the second round ADP. I had no. idea. I don't idea. know if he's going to end up there when real drafts are going on, but I mean, this is the ADP I have. Yeah, to yeah go no, on. I mean that's I, I'm just really genuinely surprised, um, and I agree with your take on it completely. What mid round draft pick is going to win people titles? Oh, Larry Fitzgerald is going to do it again. Love it. You're Thank you, Josh absolute, Rosen, right? Yeah. Oh, wait, I don't care who it is. If, if <laughs> Sam Bradford's actually healthy, that's fantastic. That's one heck he's of a an if. Yes, that's, that's the big thing with Sam Bradford. But when he's on the field, you can't argue with what he has been able to do the last couple of years. He's been a very good quarterback. The tape of him in Minnesota against the Saints is – I mean, that that's one of the better games that you'll watch. He is – so accurate, uh, just a so poised in the pocket, making things happen, just absolutely tore the Saints apart. But you're right. It is a big if. 
Luckily, Josh Rosen is now the insurance policy, but Larry Fitzgerald yet again will be disrespected just like he was last year when he was an absolute reliable wide receiver stud for your teams. And he's going to go in that, you know, five, six range again because people are just sleeping on the old man. Wolf. Absolutely, but the guy I'm going to be going for in the mid-rounds at receivers because I just love to chase upsides, Juju Smith-Schuster, especially with Martavis Bryant traded away. His ADP is you know 55-ish right now, which I think is an absolute joke. I think Juju's going to blow up and be a, you know even wide receiver one right now with the target share that he's about to see. Love Juju, and I love J.J. with no running backs. I think after a, such a horrid year last year, he's going to end up being a screaming value uh, and have a season that we all kind of envisioned last year. All right. We call them penny stocks. Most people call them late round lottery tickets. Give us one or two guys that you're going to get on the cheap that you really just have to have. Oh, man. The guys who could be cheap yet again and – but by the time I'll say this, by the time drafts again wants to roll around, I'm not sure how cheap he is, but he's really cheap right now, and that's because he keeps getting himself into all kinds of legal troubles. That is Robbie Anderson. Oh yeah, from from what, the, the Jets he said he was gonna what bone a cop's wife or something. Yeah, <laughs> look, I'm I am. This is not a support of the man's <laughs> actions. This is simply talking about the game of fantasy football, and he was a waiver wire stud last last year. Yeah. I think people are going to be scared of, scared of him in the drafts. Even if he ends up serving a a two-game suspension or something like that, then he's just going to be even cheaper in the drafts and you just take him with one of your last positional picks and you have McCown is still there and I think that Sam Darnold, I agree. Sam Darnold is a good quarterback. So Regardless of who's throwing the ball, one of those two guys, I think Robbie Anderson's going to be able to put up fantasy numbers yet again. I think maybe we should just go all in on that kind of theme and maybe grab Zay Jones too while we're at it. We're looking for people that have had some uncomfortable run ins in the offseason. Uh, <laughs> Well, no, he, the problem is Robbie Anderson can catch the ball. No, no, listen, I'm I'm yeah. completely kidding. Robbie Anderson is a, a supreme talent. Zay Jones is a mediocre player who just goes around getting in naked incidents in the offseason. <laughs> uh, Wolf, Penny Stock, who do you have to have? Give me one. Got to be Tariq Cohen. I think Matt Nagy has labeled him earlier, an offensive genius. I think he's going to really know how to use Cohen, who just flashed talent week in and week out, and only an idiot like John Fox. We talked about cement shoes, Nat, last week. We did. John Shoes was a absolute cement shoes weighing down Tariq Cohen, and I think Nagy will be the exact opposite, the fantasy uh, HGH to really propel Tariq Cohen and use him to his fullest potential. Absolutely love the explosive upside he brings for He's going after pick 100 right now, which is I think is an absolute joke. I have him in my 60s, and I think I might even be too low. The single most important move fantasy owners can make in 2018 that will win them a title is dot, 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 fill in the blank. I'm going to go with, once again, buy into rookie running backs being able to be fantasy producers immediately. I know it's not we feel like after the past recent years that this is just an absolute shoe in that rookies always produce, but that's not always true, but it's true yet again, this year, these Mm -hmm. rookies, we, you talked about how deep the class was and I completely agree with that. I think that there's a lot of great running backs here. They came in, they were drafted with high capital by NFL teams. They're going to get massive opportunity. And on top of that, they're good running backs. So, Opportunity plus talent, that's how you get it done in fantasy football. So I'm not going to be scared to go all in on these rookies if they're if they're coming to me at the right value. Wolf? And that was kind of our, our stock tip earlier was do not be afraid of the unknown because rookie that's what happens with rookies. People just haven't seen it and they don't touch them and they miss on these huge values. To build on that too, uh, last week's stock tip was building a stable of horses and just loading up and trying to get you know, three absolute workhorses into your lineup if you play with the flex. I think is incredible value uh, with the rookie running backs always discounted. I think if you can get – you, three of your first five picks is true workhorses that end up panning out for you. Your team is set up for massive success. The three-horse attack. I like the three-horse attack is what we call it on the dive. 
Uh, Let's wrap things up with your boldest prediction. Now, I want to be clear. This could be a fantasy prediction. This could be uh, just a a real football prediction. Like if if you really like the Dolphins to run the table and go 16-0, and and you, I mean, throw that out there. I'd love to hear that as much as any fantasy prediction. But give me your boldest (laughs) prediction for the upcoming season. Um, And then a reminder of uh, after the Wolf gives his, we'll talk about where people can find you and interact on social media and stuff. What's your boldest prediction for the upcoming season? Oh, so we're just we're igniting the flamethrower just to to watch everything burn. Yeah, we'll have you on in like three or four months and or six months even. And we'll 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 discuss it. All right. Well, I'm going to throw it out here. (laughs) Uh, Let's do it. Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz are going to make fantasy players very sad with the draft capital that they end up spending on them. Okay. Okay. It's a bold prediction, and that's one that, that's probably like a rock in the wolf's shoe. So, I mean, I'm glad to hear that. Um, I mean, we believe in waiting on quarterbacks, of course, but we do love Deshaun. Uh, wolf, bold prediction? So let's go to the opposite end there, quarterback, and let's say <laughs> if those guys disappoint you, I hope you take the late-round plunge on Pat Mahomes, who I think will be a top-five quarterback with that cannon arm. The surrounding talent is absurd. So if you miss on Deshaun Watson, make sure you get Pat Mahomes late because he's going to explode this year. Hey, Wolf, real quick, over under 6,000 passing yards, Baker Mayfield. Take the over. Over, always <laughs> over. Always bang the over. <laughs> uh, Mike, uh, where can people interact with you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at FF Hitman. I'm on the Fantasy Footballers podcast. Please check us out. We're two times a week right now and three in July. And then once August hits, we are five times a week. So we are here for all your fantasy football podcast desires you're like a workhorse back five times a week man that's yeah bell cow i gotta carry you gotta carry sometimes i love it no man it's been great having you on the show we really appreciate it um you know keep up the good work can't wait till it's back to five days a week for you guys we'll get to hear you guys every day and, and obviously we all get super excited when football season starts rolling around so thanks once again man we really appreciate you taking the time of course fellas thank you Wow, thanks a lot to Mike the Hitman, right? Give us 45 minutes of his time there. I don't know how much you Absolutely. had him penciled in for, but I'll bet it wasn't that much. But he uh, he was very gracious with his time and information and uh, a, a really good radio guy, which is why his podcast is so uh, successful, obviously. So thanks again to the Hitman. And uh, check out his podcast, the Fantasy Footballers. Easy to find if you like fantasy football podcasts. Absolutely. Not very generous with his time and his answers. Tons of great knowledge. I love that, you know, a lot of our uh, information was in agreement. We were on the same page with a lot of guys and kind of build each other's points. Had a few disagreements, uh, but overall, just great banter back and forth. Love to go toe-to-toe with a guy that, again, one of the most respected in the industry. It was fantastic to be able to have that chance. So, again, we appreciate it, Mike. Thanks for coming on. If you haven't heard that podcast, you got to listen to the Fantasy Footballers, some of the biggest in the industry. Um, it, you know, not as big as the Fantasy fullback dive of course but just well, about on our level still so. pretty good still pretty damn good yeah so thanks again mike that was fantastic you got any social media you want to talk up real quick of course uh, and i actually do want to just say like we did that interview a few days ago and of course he was high on christian mccaffrey and, and him landing um and cj anderson just signed there as we're recording this outro so in our next episode we're going to be debuting our stock watch segment talking about cj anderson what that might mean uh so we just want to throw that out there real quick as we're a day later and already it's that's why we call it the stock market here at the roto street journal it's always moving values are always turning and that's obviously going to have some big implications because we we're talking about both cj anderson and christian mccaffrey with mike um so we're going to be definitely laying that out we'll have scott barrett on to break that down as well because he's been one of the biggest christian mccaffrey truthers out there so super excited to break that down next uh next episode that you're you'll be listening to but social medias of course if you liked what you heard we'd love any reviews uh five stars helps us out a ton one stars helps us just as much so we know what we can do better please let us know interact with us find us at rotostreetjournal.com is our site check out all the new things we have going i just updated the big board uh so check that out with all the new rookie rankings and everything check out the stock watch rotostreetjournal.com slash stockwatch. See what we're doing there. It's fantastic work uh, that we've been churning out. And then, of course, on Facebook and Instagram, Roto Street Journal, Twitter, Roto ST Journal on Twitter and Snapchat. 
chat and my Roto Street Wolf, the big board just came out. I'm getting lots of good tweets at me. So come at me about some stuff. Pat Mahomes, actually, who we were, who were just talking about, has been a big point of contention who I have him over. So check out the big board, see how high I have Pat Mahomes, and come at me if you disagree. And if you agree, like, you know, stroke his ego. Please do. And he doesn't come get right, sick of that. Come right for me. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I'm Nat the Truth Jones. And I'm the Wolf. See you next time, guys. Later. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. Old-fashioned football right there, folks.